HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi guys, this is part two of our conversation with Chef Akudo, where he talks about his professional cooking experience and the opening of his cookery school, Kedu. Enjoy. So Kedu is from the Igbo tribe in Nigeria, and Kedu means um, like hello or how are you or how are you doing. And the reason why we chose to call the business Kedu was simply just because we felt like uh, when I was coming up with a business idea. And I remember chef saying to me, like, man, it's it's really hard if you're not willing to sort of put your life down and sacrifice your life like this. Nobody, none of these restaurants or chefs would even tell you hello or hi. You're listening to Item 13, an African food podcast. And I'm your host, Yom Tego. Every other week, we'll delve into the world of African food, including chefs, curators and bloggers. Here's the show. And um, obviously, I wasn't trying to say anything to Aji because I was afraid I would get dropped from the project. Yeah, and, and then, then because of everything, he had also invested, right? And, and because of everything he invested, um, and then my the the rest, apart from Bistro Vaduvan, I had gone, I had done so many jobs with like other restaurants, and I wasn't saying anything to anyone as well. I also wasn't saying anything to my my partner or my family. Because I didn't want anyone to know, and everyone's like, "Oh, you need to stop, take a break, take a rest." Because I didn't want to lose the opportunity I had. But then, obviously, that got worse. Um, and you know, the industry is very, very fierce, very fierce. Like you have to just, you have to be giving your all and fighting at all times, because it's such a fast paced and aggressive yeah pace. like from what i understand it it's incredibly <laughs> draining yeah <laughs> incredibly draining and as much as people you know wish the best for you the truth is um in a situation like i was in you will you will get dropped and replaced easily, easily yeah. not because they don't like you but it's just because the, the project has to move on you know, the restaurant has to move on. We have to keep working. We have to keep serving. The customers want this. Our reputation depends on this. So if 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 you were, you know, lacking because of sickness or stuff like that, you know, they wish the best for you, but we have to move on. And um, a lot of restaurants at the same time were trying to, you know, keep this sort of Michelin status right. or, or try to get Michelin star. So every restaurant is literally... 
uh, some of them, a lot of them actually are doing too much just because they're trying to secure that reputation. So, you know, the, the chefs are on like immense pressure to just sort of outdo the next restaurant so that they could get this, not necessarily outdo, but just sort of like make something for themselves. Yeah, because so it was, it's, it's, it's a hard business too, right? And so part of maintaining your margins and all that is making sure you're relevant. And I guess the Michelin star aspect of it helps to stay relevant and pe- keep people coming through the doors, yeah. It's also a way for you to make money because a yeah. lot of things that happen is like a lot of these restaurants chasing a Michelin star are not really making that money that they're expecting to make. Um, some of them are probably even, we're, we're making a loss. So a lot of people know about Michelin stars that are around, but not a lot of people know about restaurants that have opened up, tried to get a Michelin star, failed within the first day and shut down. And there are a lot of them. So it's a really, really like, a, like aggressive place. So what happens is like, you're doing so much work and you're, not, you're, you're making a loss, so you're not making anything. So what that translates into is a lot of them literally um, uh, would tell chefs, like they would try and get chefs working for them without pay. So really? Yeah, so like when I wanted to train, um, I remember I was working, it's it's sort of this thing where because of our fast pace and just the amount of techniques and skills needed in um, fine dining nowadays, you know, a restaurant needs to be sure you're up to the task. Because now it's not just about cooking or being able to make, like your knife skills need to be sharp, your, how you combine flavors, how you understand things, like your A game, needs, you need to bring your A game. So a lot of them don't just want anybody. And if, you're, if you just happen to be anybody, then they need to be sure, you, you know, you're up to the task. Oh, yeah, that, you that can catch it, them, yeah hitting you with the okay why don't you work for us for a bit let's see what you're capable of and if you're okay then we'll take you on board on the team now a bit is you know you're obviously working without pay (laughs) a bit a bit will start off as just three weeks to a month but in reality will stretch as far as seven months to a year that's crazy so i was doing or i worked few months with no pay my pay was coming from Aji at the time um and um, a lot of times Aji had so much he was working on so sometimes I wouldn't get any money from him until like a while later and you know bless him he would send he would send enough but the only you know not, the only bad thing is obviously to survive I've already I'd already taken out loans to try and keep up with bills right. and so all the money he sends just goes into helping my family back home and covering and then obviously I'm there and I'm thinking, man, this is too much. Like, right. Because you know, I was going to say, like, then how do you, how did you make that transition then to decide to do the cookery school and then abandon like <laughs> the Akoko project? So because it sounds what like. Happened with Akoko was eventually the, the secret was out of the back. Um, my, the restaurant I was working in at the time, the head chef started to realize something's wrong with this guy. You know, he's starting to make sloppy mistakes that he doesn't make. 
And then he noticed like a weakness in my left arm. He was like, you keep, you keep dropping stuff. And I've, mm. I've, I've noticed you, even you yourself don't know it's dropped until you, he, and then I'm like, you know, so eventually he picks up that and he calls, so he calls Aji then because he knew like Aji was supposed to be my boss. Right. All like Coco project. And he tells Aji like, something's wrong with this guy. And then Aji calls me to talk about, and then I really asked to then say, okay, you know what, I, I'm sick. I tried to hide it. I tried to keep it out of the bag and stuff. But And he was like, listen, man, I know what you're going through and I know you want to do it, but you got to think about yourself. You don't want to yeah. die. So, da, da, da. so eventually I had to come home and then the doctor obviously was like, yeah, you know, you've made things worse. I recommend you need to stay out of the kitchen for the next two months. Oh, once obviously being too long, eventually that was you know goodbye to the Akoko project because they had to move, they had to find a chef. Yeah, that just became um, so that was just like that was just gone. Um, so obviously, but while I was in that setting, I'm obviously like, this is too much, no money, I'm working for free, I'm working 20 hours, you know, a, a day. I'm doing all of this work. I'm traveling. I'm paying my own fraud. I'm in a city like London. It's too expensive. I've got family all the way back home. I've got rent to pay, bills to pay. And I'm thinking, man, like, this is so unfair. And then I find out this is normal in that industry. <laughs> so I'm thinking I'm, I'm, this, I'm this chef that is going through it all. Everybody pitying me. And I just find out, like, no, it's, it's, it's a normal that's, thing. That's, yeah, that's the like, culture. Like, you know, guy beside me is like yeah i'm sleeping on my cousin's couch and i make little sandwiches on my days off that i sell to this office here and that's how i you know make some money i've been working for a year without pay and i'm like what you know what and then he's like yeah you know they're not giving me a job yet i'm training i'm trying to get it i'm like dude you're like efficient like I've another chef, you find out that they're like 16 chefs in a three-bedroom apartment. That's how. That's wow. You know, and I realized like, Jesus Christ. And then, well, obviously, you know, that this is it. This is how you can train. Because culinary school, in this day and age, because culinary school, what they do is they teach you how to like, you know, cook this recipe, they teach you about the basics, mm -hmm. the French basics, but that's so outdated now. Now that everyone's trying to get a Michelin star, right. they're trying to do their own thing. So usually before you could sort of go in there, learn the basics, and the basics apply to almost every restaurant. But now you go into one restaurant, and they're doing something completely different. They're working with, you know, um, gastronomy. Somebody is making, you know, um, courgette bubbles. Somebody's making... <laughs> balloons you walk into the next restaurant and they're working with like you know beef aging beef for like two years and they're making their own in-house milk and in-house cheese and it's completely different another restaurant is dealing with like fermentation right and it's like boy okay i didn't i didn't i didn't learn all of this in cookery right. school so cookery school now is somewhat outdated like and so that's Oh, I'm into, sorry, go ahead. So the only way now to actually get that proper training, if you want to work in a really good like restaurant or Michelin star restaurant that you admire, is to just sacrifice. And so I'm like, boy, if 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 this sacrifice that everybody is making mm -hmm. is, is 
this like so imagine how much stress of no money long hours um sacrificing time energy everything you're literally getting nothing you're just going more and more the amount of chefs in debt and the amount of times you're standing and working the yeah, amount of their impact on your body too yeah you know, sicknesses and leg problems so all of this is happening and uh, <clears throat> as this is happening i find that like a lot of these guys are single so they're not in relationships or they're in relationships but they don't have kids and they literally tell you like i can't like i'm not even making that much money or even if they're getting paid they'll tell you like i can't have a kid in this setting like look at how many times i'm right. away i'm away literally six days am i going to be seeing my kid for just one day when do i even have time so it was just like oh my god like you're literally like going into that setting you have to be willing to surrender your life to the to the craft yeah and so then, then like because that was the only way you could get trained so i didn't realize that you know what getting training in a cookery school even if you can get training in a cookery school it's expensive and a lot of it wasn't really covered by student finance that was available here and so when i came back that was the one thing that was on my mind i was mm. like i don't want anybody like i went to go hell. through what you went through yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and i thought like that that helped me i got the training i got everything ig and a lot of the chefs that I, I i was with they helped me grow but at the same time that period for me was hell so and i thought like i want to start either a restaurant or a school where i can provide affordable training to people who wanted to be chefs especially like um people in the afro community like myself who wouldn't really get an opportunity like a coco except if the owner was like african right yeah yeah i mean so we we technically either don't get those kind of opportunities or we have to like get them through channels like going on shows like master chef and then we show like master chef you you still have to like practically like train yourself to be you know to be recognized on a show like that before anybody considers you for anything because one the head chef the current head chef for coco i believe was pulled from master chef they found oh, him that oh i remember this guy was a master chef he's of african descent let's get him on board yeah and it, and in the us like top top chef i think would be the the equivalent also Um, so, with guys like um Kwame Onwachi and Eric exactly. Pong and all those guys yeah so stuff like that for somebody like me who was new to the chef industry some of these guys they've been chefs for years so they've eventually realized um a lot of chefs were telling me this is all i have there's no way out for me i've been a chef this is all i know i can't just quit it today and do something else Whereas I used to get chefs telling me, "Dude, you were already you had Instagram following. You did your supper clubs. Yeah. You were already doing <laughs> before you came in here." So I used to tell people same stuff like, "Just go back out there and do what you were doing. Why are you coming in here to suffer?" Right. And I used to say stuff like, "Oh, but I want to train. I want to be better." And they'd be like, "Yeah, go out there, do your stuff, but then come in here and work free for maybe a day or two. Learn something." But don't give your entire life here. 
do that yeah so is that sort of yeah so that was when for me i decided i i I have to do something i have to do something to help I can't just go back to supper clubs and just act like I didn't just see thousands <laughs> right. going through the same thing I just went through. Went through, yeah. So you decided to do the cookery school. How so you make the decision, like how do you how do you find a place? How do you finance it? Because like when you think about a cooking school, I think about the all the equipment. So it's not just, oh, I'm gonna have the space. If you're gonna teach people, I mean you have to have a certain minimum amount of equipment and it's not it's not cheap, you know. Oh, it it wasn't it wasn't cheap. You know, and that that itself was a massive problem. And um it was also a big problem because of um if you remember when I said because I wasn't getting paid and I would try and like when my savings ran out, I would try to take out like loans and stuff yeah. to support mm-hmm. me. So one of the loans that I took out, it turned out um someone got my details. Oh yeah, so there was some sort of like fraudulent activity that went on. But because they changed the address, so the bank, you know, the bank was sending um, like correspondence to the wrong address. So when the person had like obviously taken the money, bled the account dry, the bank kept sending, you know, payments requests Jeez. to a wrong address. So at this point in time, I had no idea what was going on. So eventually, one day, I think I think after like a year or so, the bank eventually realized, actually, we have a number on file. So they call me. And then I'm like, yeah, hi, what's going on? So they're like, this is that and that. And I'm like, oh, what? no, no. So at this point, then I'm thinking, is this a scam? <laughs> the bank, they're verifying themselves. And I'm thinking, actually, no, this this like, this, they verify themselves. So I go online and I check the account and I realize, like, Oh my God, somebody had literally cleared this account dry of like two and a half grand. And they're taking that out on my name and they had not paid. So I was in like serious debt. And so were they just, putting, was the bank putting you on the hook for, for it then? Or? Obviously, they they they'd filed, they told like credit agencies that I was owing, I wasn't paying, it had affected my credit score. And I oh did not even, all this time, I didn't even realize this. So eventually, I told the bank, they do the investigation. They realized, oh crap, we didn't know. And then they compensated, um, they, they closed it, they compensated me for it. But at this time now I'm trying to start a business. So I'm trying to figure out like, why am I, not, why am I being refused for loans? Like what's going on? I'm like, I've had impeccable credit for as long as I'm like, what's, what's, right. what's going on? So I go online, I sign up with like, um, I think one of the biggest um, credit uh, companies like uh, Equifax. And I said, okay, run a credit check, show me what's going on. They come back. I had one of the, lo- I had like a hundred or something. I was like, what? Whoa. And I checked it. And I saw the whole bank thing. So I called the bank and I was like, listen, you need to send a notification or something to Equifax. Da, da, da. And then they were saying like, unfortunately, it's only your name because it's already been filed. There's nothing they can do that the best they can do is give a note to Equifax and have that note on my on name. On your record, on your file, yeah. Stating that, oh, you know, it might have a 
like this maybe like brought to score down, but it wasn't his fault. It was a fraudulent transaction. This, this, that, and that. But unfortunately, even Equifax was like, sadly, that's not going to do you any good because hardly anyone really goes to read that note. Like once they have like a baseline and once your credit score doesn't reach that baseline, you usually just get automatically rejected. So that was a massive problem. So imagine yeah. coming back to this great idea, you're speaking to investors and then all of a sudden you're already telling investors like, yeah, we can pull these funds, you have pulled that funds. And then you realize I can't pull this money. So that messed up. We then tried to crowdfund. And um, I think that crowd, the crowdfunding just failed terribly. And um, I think eventually we had uh, like somebody who was like a, a, a professional from, from the States mm-hmm. called me and explained like, okay, you know what? This is why a crowdfunding failed. It was like, you don't have a, you don't have like a massive, um, a massive brand. People don't know you, they don't understand you. And um, that's why only the people who really um, were your followers, where you're like your loyal followers contributed. Other people are just reluctant because they don't really know who you are. Right. And obviously I'd taken like a year or two off social media to focus on training. So I hadn't really been doing much. People didn't really know much about me except like my followers. Right. So that was the problem. So eventually, you know, my partner came into the mix. She got some loans out. We put it under her name. Um, and then we had investors, but then it got tricky because when they eventually went through the business plan and we lost all our investors. How did you, how did you source, how, where did you find investors? I think some so people investors were um, A lot of investors reached out. Oh, okay. Based on what you had shared online or... Um, yeah, sort of based on that, but most of the inv- most of the investors wanted to invest in us. Ch- just sort of came from most of them were previous people who had seen me grow or had seen my oh, okay. work, on, and like sort of the way Aji reached out when he wanted me. I to see. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of them are guys that reached out before, and they wanted me to work with them or come be the head chef of their restaurant, or they wanted me to. Um, what do you call it? They wanted me to do something with them. So they they all saw this as an opportunity to, oh, he wants to do something. Let's let's jump on a chance to work with this guy. So that was what they wanted. Um, they reached out. But then what happened was um as soon as they all read the um part of the business plan that said you know, this is the price we're going to be charging for the services that we're going to be offering. You know, we're, we're trying to help, you know, chefs in the industry that are suffering. And it was just like a no. Okay, because they thought it was too low and that you wouldn't be able to cover your expenses or? <clears throat> exactly. They thought, um, so they thought it's too low because, okay, at, at the average price for a cookery class Mm-hmm. Let's, say, let's talk about chef training. Average price for a cookery class is between, in the Midlands, like 115 for like a good cookery school to like 150 pounds. For, for one class. class. Okay. For one okay. Class. okay. If you go down to London, now you're talking about 175 to 
sometimes 200. You could get a class for like 120, 130, but you could go as high as 175 to 200 and something for a class. So we are popping up from nowhere now. We're trying to say, we're going to charge everybody 50 pounds for a class. Wow. <laughs> okay. So straight away, everyone was like, you're mad, you're crazy. Yeah, it's not that doesn't work make sense. No. So I then tried to show the plan to the investors, like, okay, look, if we if we acquire this building, if we do it this way, if we do it that way, and then we eventually we can expand this way, this is how we can make money of 50 pounds a class while still helping people out to get affordable classes and affordable and that was just for general classes. Then we're talking about chef training. And yeah. we're charging, like, I think the average, like, um, when I when I went for training, I, my, the mo- I did, like, a month, and I paid, like, four grand for that month. Oh, wow. Then for a month? I'm to say, yeah, for a month. Now, I'm trying to say for the exact same program, for the exact same length of time, and then even more, I'm talking about financial advice because we're not just giving people like kitchen training and we're talking about we also train them and we also in business restaurant area in our in our cookery school we give them that restaurant area and tell them we will plan you a supper club you know we'll host events for you and this is how we will train you to get industry experience without you having to go and sacrifice and do like how many months working free for somebody else so what then happened was um, we were saying we'll offer all of all of that for much significantly cheaper for a thousand. Oh wow! Pounds. So that's like two and a half grand cheaper. So straight away the investors were like, "Nah!" Like, so after I proved to the investors that it could work, they still felt like, you know what? I've seen it; it could work, but I'm sorry. I'm not here to help people. I want to make money. Yeah. I'm just here to make money. Okay, forget about helping people. When we make a lot of money in the four or five years, I guess you could start a small charity and help people. <laughs> you know, but then I was like, no, like that's why I wanted to do this. What's the point? What's the point if we just turn it into a business and I'm charging everybody? Right. Like, what's the point? <laughs> so I stayed steadfast to it. And then we just one by one, investor after investor. Oh, really? Okay. Lost, uh, lost. okay um just because we only have a few minutes left i just wanted to touch on so that people that are listening can go and find out more about um the cookery school so what do you focus on is it a general um cookery curriculum are you focused on um african food in particular or just a broad um spectrum of food types or basic i guess basic cooking skills like if i was is it exclusive to african chefs or are you for african chefs are you providing a specific like again based on your training and the ways in which you present african food are you trying to teach people who are in the african food space also about the way we present our food and the ingredients in a different way or what what's the program like what what can people expect so we're we're very broad in the sense that um, we teach literally every, it's not, um, so because obviously because of my background and what I do, um, there initially there was that mindset that, oh, it's, it's an African cookery school. 
Right. But I think more and more people have uh, come to realize that no, it's not. We're very broad, so we we try and tackle everything. So if you're if you want the basics, then we can create a program, and we try to do it uh, on a one-on-one -on -one basis as much as we do a group basis. So we try and tailor things to. Um, to people as well so if as a group you, you you know you guys want to learn the basics you want to train to just understand the basics maybe you want to start a business but you just need the basics to get you there because you don't want to do anything too advanced then we can create a program and we have already have a program created to do that and that's for our chef training side we we train people in terms of the basics we train them um, to like intermediary levels if you're looking to go to a job into a restaurant and then we can go into like advanced techniques into gastronomy if you're looking to you know build your way into a mission star setting or if it's that you want to do your own private chef things but you want to do it at that level so with whatever it is generally we always try and cater to everyone and for our cookery classes for the general public we just offer a wide range of classes from whether it's West African, whether it's German, whether it's British, whatever. And we, one thing we do is we actually advise our customers like, hey, you know what? If you go on our website and you just want to attend a cookery class with, with, with a friend or with a family or just yourself, if you don't see a class that you want, we usually say, you know what? We're really chilled. Just give us a ring and ask us like, hey, would you be willing? Um, and we get calls all the time. Like um, the last call we just received, a lady just was like, oh, can you, can we, can we get like a Chinese pastry class? And my friends and I would like a Chinese pastry class. And then we're like, oh yeah, sure. Like, you know what, we'll find when we're scheduling our next set of classes, we'll put in a Chinese pastry class. And as usual, everybody gets emailed up. So, so we're very, very broad. And oh, when people ask me, what do you do? I just say, you know what, if it's food, we cook it. <laughs> okay. Like whatever class you're looking for, as long as, whatever it is you're trying to learn is classed as food we can create a you class can create a class around it cool um so what's next what's what's next for you uh this year or as you look you know the next five years where do you see the cookery school and what you do as akudo like what what do you see that's coming up for you that people should um we are still heavily focused on um on on the business okay and when i think we're very focused on the business we're focused in terms of we're still standing pretty much by the fact that we we want to help people so one thing we're looking for right now is acquiring uh funds for the business funds? and when i say so funds funds like income. oh funds okay okay got it so when i say we're acquiring funds i mean we are we've we, so we've put forward to tender to um to the government and to um an impact program designed by the eu and what that means is they would we're looking to get to like to help people even further so if we get that funding what that means now is rather than us saying oh hey come and you know we can give you proper training just as much as you can get even better than you can get from a cookery school and just what you need to get into the restaurant in the hospitality industry for way less for way less than um, this guy will charge you or that um, organization will charge you. We want to take it to the point where we say, hey, we've got a training program that you can get on and it's fully funded by the government. So it's free for you. That's nice. where we're trying to get yeah. to. 
that's where we're going for the funding because we want people to just be able to walk in and say, hey, you know what? I've had this dream. I want to be a chef, but it's been really hard to get on this ladder. And we want to be that organization that can say, hey, no problem. You know, we're fully funded. So just come in, get your training, go on, do your great things. Oh. So for us, we're, we're, we're very driven. But, so that's our next step mm. to secure that. Um, and after that, if we're looking at a long uh, five, ten year ago, we're looking yeah. to sort of establish somewhere else with the same motto, with the same program, same everything. And um, for us, it's almost like a charity. I mean, we're not a charity, but that 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 that's the dream, you know. And um, be able to provide affordable training. Uh, for... Affordable or free training i mean that would be the ideal one to for us just be fully funded so that we can just go to each city and just set up there and just provide free training for any chef that wants it and um and i think the, the great thing about our vision and our journey is the fact that we've had so many uh, roadblocks and we've had so many times where where we are today seemed completely impossible but then you always get that organization or that person that just hears about what you're doing and just says, you know what, my brother, my uncle, my dad was a chef. I saw the struggle firsthand. How can I help? And then yeah. you get people who sort of like jump on board and help. So for us, the, the, the goal would be to be able to get funded, deliver this on a much wider scale. And... Um, I think that's what we're focused on. At the moment, we're not sort of thinking like about ourselves. We're not thinking yeah. about getting this big business. Like I feel like a social, a social enterprise, really trying to make a, make an impact. Yeah. The only reason why we're, I, I don't class, we didn't set up as a charity or uh, as a CIC. It was just because I'm like, you know, when we do make profit, we know what we want to do with that profit. Um, um, we want to we want to use it to either create, for instance, like I want to um, I want to help the my, like my 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 community, the Afro community. And a lot of things I've been saying is that people don't support African chefs or uh, black chefs of African descent. They don't support us in a, a non-African way. Um, and that's why I try and tell people like, please don't don't call me an African chef or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a chef. Just call me a chef. Don't yeah. don't because what I've noticed is in the industry, we don't get called upon and we don't get given opportunities except it's within an African setting. Oh, like context, an African, yeah. Within like an African festival, then they start looking for us. Yeah. oh my god there's this program where we're looking for people to do this nice um uh, nice um video or shoot about west african food or about ethnic things then they look for us you get what i mean yeah well, but you want to get to the point where you are main you may considered mainstream too right yeah because like exactly consider us mainstream so that that's another thing i'm trying so well that's why i didn't set up as uh, a charity because i'm like hey when i make money i want to put events to sort of help us to bring us together i'm trying to set up and I, I tried for years for like three years now to set up an organization where all like Af 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 chefs of african descent we can come on that day and we can create an organization that takes us to the places we want to be 
the only bad thing about it, to be honest, is most of the chefs I've spoken to, everybody wants to do their own thing. Yeah, which is which is unfortunate because I think I actually it's funny you say that because I was thinking about that last week that there isn't truly an organization, even not just of chefs, but like all the people that contribute to the ecosystem, right, of African food as it's becoming more popular. How are we going to come together to work together to make sure that we are being seen in, in the right light and in the right spaces that eventually benefits everybody? That's our problem. We're just not doing things in that way. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. Like, you know, people just keep, a lot of times to the point where if I hear somebody saying something about a chef, I'm like, oh, describe the chef to me. What what do you think the chef does? And they're like, oh, I guess they're, you know, like an African, West African. And I'm like, oh, but every event, it's like, you might have heard about um, Mab. She does like Mabi's Kitchen um no no i don't think so um okay so she's she's based in london she does um she does like events and supper club mob in no way i mean yes she's 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 nigerian and stuff mob doesn't give off the african vibe mm. like she just does a very um diverse and very versatile like lovely approach which she she's more in the sense of you know doing food and using food events and whatnot to share her story right of like uplift women but when i hear somebody telling me that she's an afro chef i'm like in what way she she hasn't done anything about you know being an afro chef or right. afro, none of our, none of mob's events says afro this or nigerian That's interesting this. i need to look her up to see to see what her you know i mean but i'm like why why do you describe her so what that means and, I, and when i meet people saying that i say please don't say that because what happens is when somebody tells you like hey we're looking for a female chef that we want to bring on top of this project and we want her to be able the problem now i say to that person the problem is that you don't think about mob because you're thinking oh yeah she does oh, Afro yeah, stuff. that's an interesting uh um that's interesting i i we're running out of time but i i i feel like there's two there's two ways to look at it too right i think there's there's that way which i actually hadn't thought about but then like how do you get the word out about like our own cuisine too like it's it's my i i understand like not being one to be boxed into and i know people that are, i know chefs that have the similar um similar mindset that they don't want to be called um, African chefs per se because then that sort of boxes you and like you said then people just call you for specific things versus looking at the skill set that you have as a chef like overall um I don't know it's a it's a tricky yeah no actually so the answer to that is the fact that the the inevitable will always happen is wherever we go we just sort we take out our we just take our food with us. So it's like it's like um Deji, Chef Diaries. Yeah, when Deji yeah. quite tasty to to come and put on, you know, a cooking show for them. And you know, they didn't they didn't really see Deji as an Afro chef. They just saw him as a chef and they were like, Oh hey, we came across your stuff and we thought this was really nice. Do you want to do a section for us where you cook this, this, that, and that? So they recognized Deji as just a chef, not an African chef. What did Deji do? They did suya lamb chops. Yeah. They did jello couscous. So what I mean is, whatever setting you put us in, we eventually just take our cuisine there and we shine with it in that setting. You get what I mean? But yeah. it doesn't do us any good 
to keep doing those things in an Afro setting. Yeah. They will never do them out. But look at look at um look at Ikoyi for instance now. You know, Ikoyi is being owned, it's, it's part owned by a, a few Nigerians or whatnot. But Jeremy Chan, love him, is an absolutely great chef. But he's sort of now like the face of African food. <laughs> yeah. You get what I mean? Yeah. Sort of the face of Meanwhile, I can, I can definitely say, I, I, I can almost confidently say that my mom knows more about African spices than Jeremy does, but Jeremy's yeah. the face of like yeah. African yeah. spices. That, yeah, equally, it's, it's, a, it's a different animal. But... Honestly, there, but... there, there's more to why Jeremy is there because he's a skilled chef, he knows his things and whatnot. Yeah. But what I mean, if you don't give us a chance to be in that set, go to that place. We would never get there. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that I think that's a good note for us. We've talked, oh my goodness, uh, for two hours plus now. Um, but before we go wrap up, can you let people know where they can find KDU, like location in the U? Because we've said UK broadly. Where in the UK, and then where they can also find you online, website, social media, etc. Um, oh yeah, that's a good one. Because for some reason, everybody assumes I'm in London. Yeah, I was gonna say so. Yeah, we get a lot of requests for people who are coming from different countries into London and they're like, oh, I'm like, oh, we're not in London. Um, we are based in um, Warsaw, West Midlands. Um, we're in Warsaw, West Midlands because this is where my family, this is where I live. And um, I didn't want to take the business idea one to a big city like London or Birmingham because one, it'll, it'll be, it's too expensive. And then we would not have been able to deliver on the mission. We had to start somewhere small. Yeah. And two, apart from it being my hometown, my, my, my home city, it's also um, where I realized, like, we also have a lot of people here that don't have that opportunity. And they all have to run down to London and face the same stuff I had to face. So we wanted to bring it here. So we're based in Warsaw, West Midlands. Look us on Google. Just type Kedu Cookery School on Google. Yes, I, will, I will share all the links so that people can find you. And the one thing before we go, last thing I promise, is we did not tell people what Kedu means. I just realized oh, that's the thing. Yeah, Kedu is... Um, so Kedu is from the Igbo tribe. Uh, let me say this real quickly. So Kedu is from the Igbo tribe in Nigeria. And Kedu means um, like, hello, or how are you, or how are you doing? And the reason why we chose to call the business Kedu was simply just because we felt like uh, when I was coming up with a business idea, and I remember chef saying to me, like, man, it's, it's really hard if you're not willing to sort of put your life down and sacrifice your life like this nobody none of these restaurants or shelves would even tell you hello or hi so that was why i was like interesting i came up with that name like kdu so 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 for us it's sort of a way to sort of say like you know what if these guys won't train you and help you in this way then why don't we we're saying hello we're saying hi <laughs> we give you an affordable training that 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 doesn't put you in debt uh, doesn't break you and whatnot and hopefully like i said hopefully we can eventually say we'll do it for free come on we're fully funded so that was why we came up with the name kato and oh. that's what it means like nice. hello nice well thank you so much this was very insightful great to hear your personal story and then how because i always thought you would you would open a restaurant so this was also eye-opening for me in terms of how you ended up deciding on the school and I think it's going to be important. I um, hope people look you up, follow you, get to cooking classes if you're based in the UK. And we'll look forward yeah. to following your story. 
Thank you for listening to Item 13, an African food podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. To keep up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Item 13 Podcast. Thank you.